Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Cooper comes by and sees me when he's on his way to children's church, and I'm not going to tell you everything we talk about because it's not your business, but um, every now and then I say, Cooper, what's going on? And the other day I said, Coop, what's going on? He said, church. I said, well, amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are making our way through the second book of Samuel, and uh, we have covered quite a bit of ground. David is now the king in Hebron. One tribe, the tribe of Judah, his home tribe, has submitted to his kingship in obedience to the Lord's promise and the Lord's command, and we saw last week this character named Abner. If you didn't hear last week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. It'll help you in the flow of this Second uh, Samuel account. But Abner rebels and says, I want my own king. And he, he leads the other tribes to bow down to Ishbosheth, Psalms, uh, Saul's um, son, moves way out in the middle of nowhere in a city called Mahatnaim to establish the throne of Ishbosheth. In reality, he wants to be king. He's a manipulator, and we learned a lot about Abner uh, last week, and we're going to see something else about Abner and two other fellas today. Uh, so I invite you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to uh, consider verse 12 through the end of the chapter. I want to speak to you today on the subject, how to be still. There's a wonderful verse of Scripture in Psalm chapter 46, the same psalm where David talks about the Lord being his refuge and his strength. And in verse 10 of that psalm, David writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in all the earth. Be still and know that I am God. And so David um, gives us that wisdom. Perhaps you're in a situation now like David was in. You have the promises of God you have the blessings of God. He has brought you a long way. It's been many years since David was anointed king at his father's house in Bethlehem by Samuel. He spent years running from Saul, almost died a few times. God brought him an army. And now... Saul is dead and Jonathan is dead and he's finally king in Hebron, but 
Things aren't what they ought to be because he has a rebellion on his hands. This man named Abner is a thorn in his flesh, a thorn in his side, leading the nation in rebellion, and it's about to get hot, as we will see today. So maybe you're in a situation much like David. You have all those promises of God. You're, you're being patient. You're waiting on the Lord. And you need to continue to wait on the Lord. You know, here's a problem we have. We really, when things start out, we don't have a problem waiting on the Lord. We have a problem continuing to wait. We, we have a problem being still and, and continuing to wait. And uh, we get still and we get settled and we know God's in, in control and God is going to take care of things. The Lord is going to bless us because we are where we ought to be. But yet things rock along and it's never easy. And uh, we have other personalities to deal with and our own sinful flesh and the devil, of course, and the world. And we, we get impatient and we start moving again. We, we go from being still and waiting on the Lord to not being still, to moving. Well, we're going to look at three men today in this very bloody chapter. And we're going to look at three men who show us what it means to wait and be still on the Lord because they weren't. So we're going to take a negative and turn it into a positive statement. Can we do that? And we're going to give you three things about what it means to be still and wait on the Lord. Now, I want to hasten to say waiting on the Lord does not sound, is not what, what it sounds like to us. Um, we, we, when we hear the word wait on the Lord, we think it means sit down, twiddle your thumbs, and say, okay, God, I'm waiting. Come on. And then later on, Lord, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Well, let me tell you what to wait on the Lord means. It doesn't mean to wait like you're waiting in line at the driver's license bureau or like you're waiting in line at a long traffic light. Waiting on the Lord means what the waiter or waitress does for you at a restaurant and they deserve a huge tip because they've done it well. They serve you. They meet your needs. They, you ask for water, they give you water. You ask for tea, they give you tea. If you ask for alcohol, I hope they spill it all over you. They, you ask for a steak, they bring you a steak. And it means to serve with the intent of being pleasing to the Lord. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But in this chapter, we're going to read it piece by piece, man by man here, and, and give you three things that, of what waiting on the Lord looks like. But I want to tell you, you're going to notice as we read through this, there's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of being still in this chapter. My problem with this chapter wasn't the content. I believe the content. I, I, I believe the Bible. I know exactly, you know, I read it and I say, well, that's exactly what happened and I know what it means uh, because it means what it says and says what it means and, and the Bible's written to be understood. And I understand this. I mean, this is pretty clear what happened. But my problem is the application. Lord, how does this apply to us? How, how do we present this in terms of application? And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to apply this, so we're going to apply it in terms of what it means to wait on the Lord. So uh, let's, uh, let's begin with verse 12. And Abner. Let me stop right there. I, I've got to do this. I, I got up and, and looked over the, the text early this morning, and I said, oh, boy, you can't, you can't, you can't not preach on this and not mention this. Look up in verse 8, and if you have the, the King James Version, it'll translate th this word this way, but Abner. And then in verse 12, and Abner. 
the and, but and and, two uh, joining, what do they call them, conjunctions. One of them is a contrast. The people of Judah made David king, surrendered to David's kingship in Hebron. And the tribe of Judah said, you're our king. But then there's but Abner. He takes the weak-minded Ishbosheth we talked about last week, moves him to Mahanaim and makes him king, makes his own king because he didn't want to submit to King David, and we talked about why last week. So there is this contradiction. There is this disobedience. There is this rank insubordination. There is this rebellion being nurtured in the heart of Abner. And then our text says, and Abner. And now Abner does something. He does something drastic. He does something dangerous. He does something terrible, despicable. Anytime you reject the lordship of Christ in your life, in any area of your life, it just does not stop there. There are some things you continue to do Rejection of Christ as Lord is more than passive. It always leads to something you do or you refrain from doing that does not end well. You can't just say, I want another king, so be it. But Abner. There's always an and connected to that. It always leads to something you do or refrain from doing. In this case, it was two. Abner refrained from bowing to David in submission to the Lord who anointed David king through Samuel. And then it leads to a seven and a half year civil war with this bloody action we're going to read about. So that's the first sermon today. But and. Let's get on to the second sermon. And Abner the son of Ner. And the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out. They left Mahatnaim and went to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruah, and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down. There they are being still. One on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and play before us. And Joab says, Let them rise. Then there arose and went over by number 12 of the men of Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin, which were servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul and twelve of the servants of David. And they caught every one his fellow by the head and thrust his sword into his fellow's side, so they fell down together. Wherefore, that place was called Helkath Hazarim, which is in Gibeon. And there was a sore battle that day, and Abner was beaten, and the men of Israel before the servants of David. So there in those few verses with that graphic description, we learn from Abner that to wait on the Lord means you must be submissive to the Lord. You must be obedient to the will of God. You must be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ and you must be obedient to the word of the Lord. So let me just kind of rehearse what happened here. Abner's in Mahanaim. David's in Hebron. Abner gets his army together and says, let's go start this thing. We're not going to have David down there. He, he, he's going to be king. No, we're not going to do this. We're going we're to take it over. So Abner leads the army of Ishbosheth from Mahanaim, and they go down to Gibeon. The spies no doubt find out, and so Joab leads, David, leads David's army to meet them. 
They meet at a place called the Pool of, uh, by a pool, the Pool of Gilboa, the Pool of Gibeon. And um, they sit there. It, David's army on one side with Joab, and Ishbosheth's army with Abner on the other side of this pool, and they're just staring at each other. I don't know how long they stood, they, they stared at each other. Now, these men had fought the Philistines before. They, they were men of war, but now they're at arms, and in between them is a pool, which we'll show you in a minute, this pool. Israelites against Israelites. There they are, facing each other. They had never done this before. It was like the first battle of the American Civil War. People came out in droves to watch the first battle. Did you know that? And they thought, well, they're just going to throw rocks at each other. But then the cannon went off and body parts started flying everywhere and they realized this, this is awful. And so these two armies who had never... They're their own people. They're, this is civil war. They're staring at each other. They're still. They're still. And after a while, I don't know how long, Abner speaks up. Hey, Joab, let 12 of my men and 12 of your men meet just right over here and let them play. Just let them play. And that's exactly what that word means. Just let them play. And what these guys did was, is they drew their weapons. And they grabbed each other by the head. And they stabbed each other. And 24 men automatically just died just like that because Abner wanted to play. Because Abner would not submit to the lordship and kingship of David. And in this incident, we see three things this incident gives us about what happens when you will not wait on the Lord and you will take matters in your own hands and you will not be obedient to the Lord. You will not be submissive to the will of God. Just think, we're about to embark upon seven years of bloody conflict it's just summed up in a few chapters, just a few verses. And we're going to see Israelite against Israelite, Hebrew against Hebrew, starting right here in the text we just read. Because Abner would not submit to the will of God and say, David is our king. Remember, he's ambitious, he's opportunistic, He's Saul's relative. He wants to be king himself. Three things that happen when you do not submit to the will of God, when you're not still, and when you don't wait on the Lord and serve Him. Number one, you will not recognize the seriousness of your sinful pride. You will not recognize the seriousness of your sinful pride when you do not wait on the Lord. Abner broke the silence of shocked, steadied men who didn't want to kill their fellow Hebrews. And Abner said, Joab, let the men play. It was just a game to him. He had no depth of character no depth of understanding to realize the seriousness of his rebellious heart. He just said, let them play. This is a game to me. I'm going to be all right. Let them play. And when you are not submitting to the Lordship of Christ, you don't realize the seriousness of that. And you think you can... Get away with it, and it's all going to work out for you. Well, in a couple of weeks, we're going to see where it did not work out for Abner. A second thing that happens when you are not still and submissive to the will of God 
is you will see other people hurt. You will see other people hurt. Abner turned around and said, you, 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 12 men. Joab turned around, you, 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 and 12 men. And 24 mothers lost their sons. 24 daddies lost their sons. Other people were hurt because of Abner's rebellious heart. Young people, when you rebel against the Lord and you're not submissive to the Lord, you break your Christian mama and daddy's heart. It affects other people. Other people are hurt. When pride and arrogance and opportunism rises, it raises its head up in any organization, especially the body of Christ, the living organism of Christ, other people get hurt. Other people get hurt. Sin is never done in isolation. No man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Our sin hurts other people. In some sins, it's more obvious than others. When you think you're just playing with the will of God, it's going to hurt other people. And so I would tell you, 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 you are not on your own. You are hurting and harming other people. At best, just with a broken heart. But worse than that. A third thing that happens when you violate the, or do not submit to the will of God and be still and surrender to His Lordship is, is the place, the place where God wanted to bless you becomes a place of blight. They came to the pool of Gibeon. Now, this is an interesting place. You can go visit this pool of Gibeon. It's a dried hole in the ground right now. Do we have, we have the pool of Gibeon? That's a picture of it right now. See the stairs? They walk down them stairs and go down into the pool. This wasn't, this wasn't a plastic kiddie pool from the Walmart. This was a major pool out in the desert country. And... It was supposed to be a blessing. It was 39 feet wide in diameter and it was 82 feet deep. It was supposed to be a place where travelers could stop and have a man-made oasis and water their camels and horses and donkeys. It was a place from where the town folk could go and draw water. It was supposed to be a place of blessing. That's what it was supposed to be. But Abner shows up. And Abner comes and says, let's play here. And he plays with the will of God in his manipulating manner. And 24 men are dead and a civil war gets hot and launches out and there's a major battle now and now it is no longer the place of blessing. The name is changed to Helkath Hazarim, the place or field of swords. That's what that means. And men are dead and blood is shed because Abner said, I will not, I will not listen to Samuel who spoke for God and anointed David king. I will have my own king. And because Abner did not realize the seriousness of his pride and arrogance, he thought it was play a plaything. And Abner had other people hurt. And now this is blessing, place of blessing is now a place that is a blight on the nation of Israel. It's a blight. It's a terrible place now. So, you got to, to be still and know that He is God. you got to submit to His will. And you got to surrender to His Lordship in every area of your life. That problem where you really need God right now in your life, are you submitted to the Lordship of Christ in that area right now? Next week we're going to see where you can, you can be surrendered here and here, but there might be one place in your life where you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, and, and that's the fly in the ointment. That's going to ruin everything. We're going to see that next week, Lord willing. So to be still, how to be still and know he's God, you've got to be constantly submissive to the will of God. Second of all, we come to another character. Let's look and see what happens. Read with me from, um, 
Oh, verse 18. And there were three sons of Zeruah there, Joab, Abishai, and Azahel. Now, let me, let me real quickly tell you about these three brothers. Zeruah was David's sister. These are David's uh, nephews. And the, these three fellows are interesting fellows. Um, three brothers. You got Joab, who we'll talk about in a moment, and you're going to see him through the whole story of David's experience. And then there's Abishai, the middle boy. You know, I was, I was not a middle son. I, I was a middle child. I have an older sister and a younger brother. And so I understand the middle child. I understand this guy a little bit, Abishai. And um, Abishai was the middle, but Abishai's a unique guy. I, I like Abishai. Uh, he has a few problems, but I like him. One is he was the, one of the fellows that went down with David back in 1 Samuel and he went down with David when they came upon the camp of Saul and God put Saul to sleep and Abner to sleep, remember? And they go down and, and David and Abishai are walking among and Saul, I mean Saul, and Abishai says, let me kill him. And I love that. Listen to what Abishai said. Abishai says, I'll take my spear and I won't have to hit him twice. I mean, I like Abishai the duke. And David says, we will not put our hand against God's anointed. We're not going to do it. We're going to later on see where Abishai, uh, David's fleeing from Absalom, and there's a fellow throwing rocks and cursing David. And Abishai says, let me go up there and cut his head off. And David says, no, we can't do that. Can't do that, Abishai. Abishai's an interesting character. I like him. Now, you might say, well, preacher, you're weird. Well, so be it. I just like him. Who do you like? Amen? Well, anyway, uh, old Abishai says, we'll, we'll take them out. And then there's this one, this younger one named Azahel. Let's read about Azahel. Let's read what happens. This is about him. And Azahel, this is verse 18, was as light a foot as a wild roe. He ran like a deer. And Ahaz Ahaziel pursued after Abner... And in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following after Abner. He was determined. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you as a hell? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left. Lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor. Do battle with him. But as a hell would not turn aside from following Abner. And Abner said to Azahel, Turn thee aside, turn away. Azahel, I'm warning you, turn away from following me. Wherefore should I smite thee to the ground? And then how would I be able to face Joab, your brother? Howbeit he refused to turn. Wherefore Abner, with the hinder part of his spear, smote him under the fifth rib that the spear came out behind him and he fell down there and died in the same place. And it came to pass that as many as came to the place where Azahel fell down and died, they stood still. So you just got to get this picture. Abner realizes he's beat. He sounds a retreat and he takes off running. And he has a little bit of a head start. And so... Joab, the commanding officer, the older brother, and Abishai and Azahel are there, and the army's chomping at the bits, and men are dead. It's a terrible sight. And no order is given. Nothing is said. No charge is played. And Azahel just takes off running, takes advantage of his fleetness of foot, and he takes off running. I could just imagine, Abishai said, where's he going? And Joab says, I don't know. I've never been able to catch him. <laughs> and off they go. And Azahel is catching up with Abner, and Abner makes the runner's mistake. He looks back. He looks back. 
Is that you, Azahel? Yes, it is. Son, turn away. I, I, I don't want to have to kill you. Now, you've got to understand, Abner was the oldest man that was, was here, among, especially, at least among the leaders. He was the oldest man. This was Saul's cousin. Joab, Azahel, they're David's nephews. They're much younger men. All right? And so Abner says, basically, I've got experience in battle. Son, you may catch me, but you're not going to whip me. It's not over with you, son. You, this is not going to end up. And Azahel wouldn't do it. And Abner says, turn and take one of the young men. Fight one of the young men and take their armor. That'll be your trophy. But Azahel won't listen. And what I gather from the text is, is that Abner is very, he's very shrewd and a very smart warrior. And he's running as fast as he could. Azahel's running faster. And at the right moment, Abner puts the spear, buttresses his spear up against him, holds it tight, and stops real quick. And Azahel runs into it under the fifth rib and is disemboweled. And it's a terrible sight. And he falls down dead, and Abner keeps on going. And you say, well, preacher, what can we learn from that? I wish you'd tell me. No, I let me tell you what we learn. We learn to wait on the Lord. We learn to wait on the Lord. If, if, what does waiting on the Lord and being still and knowing He has got? It means to wait on the Lord. What do we mean by that? Well, Azahel was the youngest of these brothers. Now, Azahel was impatient. Abner was ambitious and opportunist, but Azahel was impatient. He wanted recognition and he wanted it quick and he wanted more than what he had. Let me tell you two things about Azahel we need to know. First of all, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and also at the last chapter, 2 Samuel 23, there is a list of men. It's the same list, although 1 Chronicles adds some men to this list who aren't listed in 2 Samuel. But in 2 Samuel 23, there's 37 men who are listed by name. It's one of my favorite chapters in 2 Samuel, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to that uh, point in our journey through this book. But it is a list of David's mighty men who did exploits for David from day one when David was fleeing Saul. I mean, there's some remarkable accounts of their bravery, their courage, and their great military victories. I mean, they, they stood strong. There's 37 men listed. Abishai is one of them. So is Azahel. He's one of the 37, the 37 mighty men. Joab, you would think he ought to be, but he's not. We'll see why he's not later. But Azahel is. So here is a young, hot-shot man. He's got, he's got vim and vinegar, folks. And he's already numbered among the 37 mightiest of David's mighty men. You would think he would be happy with that. But you know what? He goes rogue. He doesn't like being one among many. He wants some special recognition. And what greater recognition could he have than to bring to David a trophy? That's the second thing. He wanted a trophy. What greater trophy than the armor of Abner? To bring Abner, Saul's captain, the man behind the rebellion, the strength behind Ishbosheth the rebellious king, bring the armor and say, this is Abner's armor, David. The civil war is over. I did it all by myself. I didn't need them 36 other fellas. I left Joab and Abishai in my dust and did this all by myself. He wanted recognition and he wanted it then. And he, well, you saw what happened. 
Pride goes before the fall, doesn't it? And so you got to wait on the Lord. If God wants you to, to have some recognition, let God bring it to you in His own time. Just be faithful where you are. You don't have to take off running and be gone. He ran awful fast. You know, Usain Bolt, they said, could run 27.5 miles an hour. I believe Azahel could run faster than that. And he catches him. And it cost him his life because he wanted a trophy. He didn't want to stay one among many. You know what? God put us in a church family. Amen. We don't need to go rogue and be on our own and have our own name. We, we, we're a church family. We're the bride of Christ. All of us have a contribution to make, and you know what? You might not, and I might not get the recognition we sure do appreciate here on earth sometimes, but I want to tell you something. In heaven, God knows, and we need to let it rest at that, and God will lift us up. Humble ourselves, and God will lift us up. As a hell, didn't want to do that. So two things. You got to be submissive to the will of God if you're going to be still. You got to wait on the Lord. And then we come to the third one. Look at here. It says, it says that um, as the army ran ahead and gone, went after Abner, it says when they came to that spot where Azahel had died, that they all stood still for just a moment. It shocked them. It was, it was a, a shocking, stopped them in their tracks. Some older scholars say that this means that even in years later as people traveled that area, they came to the spot where Azahel died and stopped and thought about that civil war like a monument. I do not know, but I do know it was a shock to these men. And so look at verse 24. Joab also and Abishai pursued after Abner, and the sun went down when they were come to the hill of Ammah that lieth before Gihah by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. He tells us that to tell us it's a long way they chased him. And the children of Benjamin gathered themselves after Abner and became one troop and stood on the top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour us forever? Knowest thou not that it will be bitterness in the latter end? How long shall it be then ere thou bid the people return from following their brethren? Why are you chasing after us? We're your brothers. How long are you going to do this? And Joab said in verse 27, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then in the morning the people had gone up, everyone from following his brother. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and pursued after Israel no more, neither fought they any more. And Abner and his men walked all night through the plain and passed over Jordan and went through all Bithron, and they came to Mahanaim. Joab returned from following Abner when he had gathered all the people together, there lacked of David's servants, 19 men and Azahel, 20 men including Azahel. But the servants of David had smitten of Benjamin and of Abner's men, 360 men. And they took up Azahel and buried him in the sepulcher of his father, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at break of day. It's very telling that when Azahel was catching up with Abner, Abner turned and said, turn away. And he says, no. He said, turn away, son, or I'm going to have to kill you. Then, remember he said, how will I be able to face Joab? And that is a very telling statement about Joab. Even the wicked, rebellious, opportunist, ambitious, self-centered Abner who started this war knew Joab was a man that you didn't want to have to reckon with. He knew Joab was a man of great fierce anger and a vengeful man. We haven't seen it yet, but we're going to. And he says, how, do, how, how will I be able to stand against Joab and face him if I have to kill you, son? 
but that did not turn as a hell as you know. So apparently Joab was known uh, for what we'll see manifest through the rest of the whole story of 2 Samuel. As a matter of fact, 47 years after this, David tells Solomon, his son, do not let the gray head of Joab go to the grave in peace. I had to deal with him. I don't want you to deal with him, son. You take him out. And Solomon has Joab executed. It's a terrible thing. We'll see. And so even Abner knew. The enemies knew he was not someone to be reckoned with. But here was Joab's problem. And this is the third lesson about how to be still and know that he is God. First, you submit to the will of God, the Lordship of Christ. Number two, you wait on the Lord. Let him lift you up. Number three, you guard your heart. You guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, Keep the heart with all diligence, because out of it flow the issues of life. And we're going to learn as we proceed this, through this book a little bit about, a lot about Joab. Joab is an enigma to me. I hadn't got him figured out. I got to talk to my resident theologian about him. She set me straight on Abner. She'll set me straight on Joab. But I want to tell you about Joab. He's an enigma. Sometimes I'll be reading and I'll say, boy, I, he, I wish I had about 10 of him in our church. But most of the time I read about him and said, I don't even want one of him in our church. He's a loose cannon. He's an angry, vengeful, vicious man. Got a temper. I think we see him many times disobeying David's orders, doing his own thing, and, and not submitting to, to David. See, Joab was this kind of person. He said, David, you have my loyalty. But he, David didn't have his love. Can you be loyal and unloving at the same time? He said, David, I'll carry your sword and swing it any day of the week against any enemy. So, David, I've got your sword, and I'll use it. But, David, I don't want your spirit. I don't want your spirit. David, I have your best interest in heart, but it's always going to meet my approval. I'm going to do what I think is expedient, David. And so he was a man who loved the kingdom, but he didn't love the king. He didn't love David. He, he didn't have David's heart, David's soul. David didn't want this war. We see that manifested many times in the book, as we'll see. And so this is what happened on this fateful night. They chased him all the way through the whole day and it got dark, the sun set. And the Bible says that Abner managed to climb up on a high hill and that the men of Benjamin who weren't in the battle joined him up there. So Abner was on the high ground and he was reinforced. And so here Joab is, John Tennyson. Joab standing at the bottom of the hill and he sees, he sees they're reinforced. And he's a smart enough general to know you don't go into battle this way when the enemy's being reinforced, been reinforced and you have the high, they have the high ground. We better back off. And so they're standing still once again. Remember Abner stood still at the pool. And Azahel stood still till he took off. Now Joab is standing still. And all of a sudden, breaking through the silence, you hear Abner. And we read about it. Verse 26, Abner calls to Joab and says, Joab! Now remember the last time Abner spoke, he said, let the men play. Now all of a sudden, he's not as taking it as lightly as he did. Now he says, it's been a good game. No. He says, Joab, is the sword going to devour forever. See, he's more serious. Now, you know, 
when you disobey God and you're out of the will of God, things can get serious real quick. They can go from laughter to tears pretty quick. And so Abner says, is the sword going to devour forever? Are we going to, you going to pursue us all night long? Why don't you go away? Go home. Let this day be over. And verse 27, it, it, the Hebrew is a little bit difficult to translate. And there's two ways to translate it. Joab says, as God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then in the morning the people had gone up, everyone from following his brother. Basically, what he says is this. Joab hollers back and says, Abner, you started this mess. If you had kept your mouth shut back at the pool, none of this would have happened. And now you want it to be over. Abner, if you had been quiet, we wouldn't have any dead men. 24 men be going back home. These 360 men of yours wouldn't be dead. We wouldn't have a war, Abner, if you had just kept your mouth shut. I like Joab here. And then Joab realizes the battle's against him because of the high ground and the reinforcements, and Joab turns around and goes home. Now, many of the uh, of, of, um, commentators and, and um, people who, who interpret Scripture and, and, and look at these things say that, Ab, that Joab made a mistake. He should have ended it then and there. I don't believe he should have because this is not what David wanted. We learn later that David didn't want any Jews to die. He was willing to wait and be submissive and wait on the Lord and let God bring the tribes to him. And eventually he did, but because of men like Abner and even men like Joab, it was a bloody seven and a half years. You know, you have Abner against David. You have Joab for David in the wrong way. Two wrongs don't make a right, do they? And it was a disaster. And so Joab turns around and he goes home. And the Bible says both of them traveled all night and into the next day. Abner goes all the way back to Mahanaim licking his wounds. But Joab, he picks up the body of Azahel. And they travel all night back to Hebron, but they make a stop. They stop in Bethlehem, David's hometown, Joab's hometown. Remember, they're the same family and they bury Azahel. You say, well, preacher, where's guarding the heart? This is where Joab's heart began to fester with hatred and bitterness and vengeance. We're going to see soon Joab's vengeance against Abner. Abner was guilty of the war. But what he did to Isaiah wasn't murder. It was self-defense and an act of war. Yes, he committed war crimes, no doubt. But it was no place for Joab to be vengeful and harbor hatred in his heart. So Joab was a little more subtle in his movement when he should have been still. It was inside his heart, boiling and seething and festering this hatred. And I want to tell you, it'll affect him for the rest of his life, even after Abner's dead. Be still and know that I am God. You cannot do that when you're harboring ill will and vengeance against somebody who has done you wrong or somebody you think has done you wrong. You cannot do it. You cannot be still and know he's God with that going on in your heart. Is there anybody, anybody that you're harboring ill will toward today? You say, well, preacher, you don't know what that person did to me. No, I don't. But I know what you did to Jesus. And he doesn't harbor ill will. Be still and know that I'm God. Submit to the will of God. Wait on the Lord. And guard your heart from bitterness and hatefulness.
Real quickly. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. That was the result of the civil war. That's how it ended. Gradual weakness and then final blow. David was the only one who stood still and knew that God was God. He was back in Hebron, not the place where he would wind up with only one of the tribes at his feet. God promised all of them, but he only has one. David didn't take off running like Aziel. He waited on the Lord. David was submissive to the Lord. He wouldn't kill other Jews. He wouldn't go to battle. He wanted Joab to stop this before it got started. But instead, Joab said, yeah, let's let them play. David didn't hold a grudge in his heart. Matter of fact, later we're going to see where he's ready and willing to accept Abner, even when Abner's probably not being sincere. Are you waiting on the Lord in that situation that you're in? Do you know, you know now the three things you need to do to be still? Do it. Do it. Be obedient to the Lord. Do what you need to do from the God's Word, God's will, and stop doing what you ought not be doing. Wait on God. Be patient. Don't take off running in your own, trying to get a trophy on your own. And don't hold a grudge. Let God take care of that person. He will. And it might be in a redemptive way. Maybe that person needs to be your mission. Maybe that person needs to be the ping pong ball. Amen? Wouldn't that be glorious? Talk about revival. We'd have revival if church members would forgive one another. Let's stand for our song of appeal. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.